Well, hello, everyone. This is William Brooks with EQ4E on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, other podcasting sites. I uh, was gone for a week, but I am back. I was actually doing some consulting work all the previous week in, wait for it, Hawaii. Yes, Hawaii is one of my uh, consulting areas of various islands in the state of Hawaii. In fact, last uh, week was my 16th trip to Hawaii in the last 18 months. So it is one of my regular places that I get to go and serve uh, school districts. They call them complexes and not, not school districts in Hawaii. So I serve a variety of complexes there as well as in the mainland United States. But I am back from a busy week and I did not plan ahead. <laughs> I usually look at my schedule and I'm like, oh, I need to get a podcast going, but uh, I did not have one for you. So, hey, I do have an announcement before I get going with the topic today. I'm excited to announce uh, that I will soon be closing down the blog portion of uh, essentialquestionsforeducators.com and in its place will be a coming soon, hopefully, uh, my first book. I'm going to take, you know, the blog was always kind of like a draft for my writing aspirations. I, I believe I've told this story before, but if you're this is the first or you don't remember the story, it's, it's a quick one, so don't worry. Um, I was actually in Hawaii with a fellow consultant. Uh, his name is Eric, and uh, we were sitting down, I think before we were going out to eat with some other consultants, and uh, we were kind of catching up. And you know, this was a couple, I wanna say, well, about 18 months ago when I was starting back up after retiring from public education and starting consulting again. And we were sitting there and, uh, you know, just, just just catching up. And I mentioned, you know, I, I think I've got a book in me, man. I, I think I have a book. And he was like, oh, really? And I was like, yeah. He's like, Brooks, you never cease to surprise me. And I was like, yeah. He's like, well, what's it about? And I said, well, I've, I've got this concept and I haven't, you know, really completely thought through it, but you know how in curriculum there are, you know, big ideas, enduring understandings, essential questions, you know, so on and so forth, gets down to the standard, all the way down to how you're going to, how, how you're going to teach the stuff. Well, there's this concept called essential questions that is, they, they are used to spark the interest. It's like a driving question throughout a unit, chapter, even a lesson, even, you know, a, you know, you know hopefully we can answer this question by the end of today's lesson. And I said, you know what? I don't think those are just for kids. I think that if we truly stop and think about it, yes, we go to professional development. Yes, people like us come in. Yes, we do our own research. Yes, we do all sorts of things as we grow, hopefully, as educators. And really, I think it's the questions that we ask ourselves that we are motivated to find the answers to that make the biggest difference in our own growth. Because I was like, Eric, you and I have both endured professional developments in the past. You know, we, we're, we're both retired and we have not only sat in professional developments, but we've given professional development and designed professional development. And I said, you know, we've, we've sat through things and some things have stuck, some things haven't, but really it's, you know, what, 
what question are we really trying to answer? You know, how can I improve my instruction? How can I be a better leader? How can I be a better instructional coach? And I said, my book is going to be about some essential questions that every educator could ask themselves to then explore. It's kind of like a trailhead, like, you know, that really compelling question that you are compelled to search for your answers. And of course, there's research-based strategies. You know, there are anchors that we can really hold on to, but where's the exploration? Where is our own um, our, our, our own path? We have to all find our own path. You look at any two teachers, any two leaders, any two instructional coaches, our, our paths are different. They're just straight up different. Our experiences are different. And what we do with the lessons from those experiences are different. So uh, the, this is actually a long an longer answer than what I gave Eric on that day. But uh, basically, I want to ask questions and maybe give, uh, you know, a story, some thoughts, you know, my experience with that. But ultimately, what will be your answers to very, very important questions in education. So I want to highlight questions. I want to, I want to get people thinking and, you know, whether it's a personal study or a professional learning community or group study or group of teachers, whatever that looks like, a group of administrators working through uh, their ideas and thoughts and answers to this, uh, to, to a variety of questions. So uh, my first, I guess, volume, I want to do multiple uh, books. And these are not massive books. These are probably 150-ish pages. Uh, will be full of essays with uh, reflection questions. And uh, I'm, I think I, the, the working title is Essential Questions for Educators. And the first volume would be Improving Instruction, Volume 1. So, uh, you know, that's that's coming up. You'll see that on my blog. My blog, my, my writing piece of my blog, at essentialquestionsforeducators.com will be replaced with a coming soon in hopefully 2024, whether it's uh, published or self-published or whatever the case is, uh, you know, I've got that book in the works. But you can, you know, it, my essentialquestionsforeducators.com, I will continue to do uh, do these podcasts and the, that will be the main, I guess, source of information there for a while. So just wanted to kind of give you a heads up, kind of an announcement that I'm really, really excited about. You guys are, if you're listening to this uh, in real time in end of January, beginning of February in 2024, uh, you're actually hearing this first. I'm going to announce it on my blog, I think next week, first week of February of 2024. Okay, well, um, my topic today or my essential question for today uh, is something that I've been thinking about a lot this year as I've been observing classrooms, modeling instruction in classrooms, uh, debriefing uh, afterwards, giving feedback, you know, all having to do with instruction. And the question, this is blog number 54, and the question is, what is wrong with a busy classroom? What is wrong with a busy classroom exactly? And I tell you what, I, my goal of course, if, if an administrator oppressed me in the in in the nineties, nineteen nineties, for you youngins, when I first started teaching, I uh, you know I, I would of course say, well, learning, student learning is very important. But my vehicle toward that, like my goal, was to get the kids busy. Now I happen to teach math, but whatever I would have happened to you know taught or you know I, I still teach is 
busy. I want to get them busy. I want to get them working, which in itself is not a bad thing. You know, you want to get them busy. I, heck, if my students were getting after it, either on a project or they were in groups or working on their own and an administrator happened to walk by and stick their head in. I just had this this feeling of comfort and calm thinking, wow, my administrator sees that my kids are into this math stuff and they're getting after it. And I have I have created these conditions. They're working for me. They're working for each other. And I, I would just get this sense of just, yeah, I'm so glad you didn't come five, five minutes earlier when it was ultimate chaos and I was trying to get them calmed down. But I uh, have seen busy classrooms over a 30 plus year career. I have been the teacher of busy classrooms. I've been the uh, professional developer of very busy workshops. And there, I mean, there was just something that I wasn't putting my finger on. And I, I don't know, I observe things for a while. I look at things for a while and then things just hit me. I, and, and it may be right, it may be wrong, maybe somewhere in between, but my big aha moment came this year and I had elements of this. It's not like this was a, like I'd never thought of this, but, but I put multiple things together at once. And the statement that came to me is that busy often relies on hope, H O P E on hope. It goes back to the nineties when I felt really good about a busy classroom. And then I would get assessment results and I would be like, oh, I thought they learned this stuff. Busy classrooms, if you are not actively, and I think actively is the key word for me, if you are not actively verifying learning during the busyness, then busyness only relies on hope. And we don't want to rely on hope. Hope is not a strategy. I don't remember who said that first. It's probably been said multiple times, but hope is definitely not a strategy, but it was for me. It was an end goal. It was a please be observed during this time. Or if I wasn't observed during this time, I just felt good. I felt comfort in the kids getting down to business. But how many times did I get them down to business? And I was thinking to myself, I've got some emails that I really need to respond to. And they were super quiet, super engaged. So I'd kind of sit back at my desk and I'd, I'd click through some emails, maybe answer some emails, maybe, you know, give the stink eye across the room if little Billy, if my version of myself was being a little bit ornery and then they'd kind of snap back into it. How often did I rely on hope? I relied on hope all the time. And if you want to really look at low hanging fruit, if you are good at designing busy moments. And I'll go ahead and interchange busy and engaging moments for students. That's one thing. But if you are relying on just, just getting them going without verifying learning, whether you want to call it engagement or busy or whatever, it's, it, it all comes down to hope. So then the question is, and I've mentioned it, couple of times. How do you go from busy to making sure that everything is verified? Well, you've got to somehow, a multitude of strategies out there, get them engaged, but then actively be with them. Actively be with them. And I would say I see this sometimes, but more often than not, 
teachers, and I'm including myself in my early and probably in my middays as well, more often than not, we might spend a little time with a little, little time over here with this group, you know, wander around, maybe over to my desk for a little bit, and then maybe a little time over there. But I was not, I was not, and I don't observe mostly teachers being truly engaged with students while they're learning in order to verify learning. Now, there's something else that's going on with this verification of learning that is super powerful as well. I, when I'm with teachers all over the country, and when I reflect on my own practices, I am not only verifying their learning, but what's the so what there? It, that, that It's a check for understanding or a formative assessment, how, whatever you call it, whatever your mental model for, I need to go out and see how they're doing so I can um, inform my instruction. Like, do I need to call a big time out for the class and be like, well, wait, hold on guys, hold on guys, I, I, I did not explain something correctly. Or guys, come over here, come over, we need to talk about something. I need to review this concept. I'm, I, you know, I'm seeing some issues with the application of this concept. So let's talk about this concept and then I'm gonna send you guys back to your individual group, group work, project, you know, whatever the case is, but I need to make sure I'm, I'm, I'm clear on this point. This comes from verifying learning, for checking for understanding. It has informed my moment with them. So whether it's that, or I need to spend a smidge of extra time with this group, or this pair, or I need to connect groups, or whatever the case is, I need to make some decisions based on, number one, getting them busy, getting them engaged, number two, verifying, and while I'm verifying, I'm thinking, okay, okay, uh, does little Billy need a little extra help? Does this group need some extra help? Did, can these groups help each other? How is this informing what I'm going to do instructionally as I facilitate their learning of a certain topic? So it's kind of all interrelated, but the big question for me was, okay, busy often, it's not a question, it's a statement. Busy often relies on hope. And the way you go from hope to engagement, true engagement that informs your, that has the ability to inform your instruction is through actively verifying learning, being out there, asking questions, looking to see what they're doing, listening to the conversations between students. Hey guys, guys, I'm doing a podcast. Can you guys chill? Dave and Tiesto, my corgis are, I'm, I left the door open because I closed the door and Dave, Dave, my older corgi is pretty mature now. He's kind of a big deal, but Tiesto got a little anxiety and chewed on some new trim that was put up recently, um, which I'm obviously past the anchor stage by now. But yeah, he, he just went to town on some trim. It was a little piece of trim, can be replaced uh, pretty easily, but he shredded it. So I left the door open and they're deciding to chase each other in and out of the room. So anyway, <laughs> let me see if I can get it back here. All right, so the way to get to engagement is that active verification. And, uh, and then through that verification, that's informing you. Now there's another piece that I want to add on, a bonus piece, if you will, that I'll probably talk more about on, a, on an upcoming podcast. It might be the next podcast. We'll see what my topics are. But there is a moment as you're out there verifying. And I, you know, I again briefly mentioned this. I said, you know, pull everyone together and go, okay, guys, 
You know, I'm seeing this thing, I'm seeing this thing. That is a skill. That is a purposeful act that I not only work with teachers on now, but I had to work on myself. It's kind of like a summary activity, but I found that I knew how important summarizing was, but I always planned on it at the end of class. I always wanted to like, okay, how did we do uh, answering our essential question for the day? Or how did we do hitting those learning targets or learning goals? Or how are we doing with success criteria? Let's, let's review. Let me get some information from you guys. Let's, let me point out the big deals. But in my class, I would always lose track of time or often I would lose track of time. The bell would ring. I would need to collect calculators, you know, class sets of calculators. They'd need to put their stuff up and I wouldn't, it, it would disappear. So through that active verification of learning, I was looking for what I call consolidating moments with the students. I had, um, as I grew in this area, some planned consolidating moments, like I would, like in a 90 minute block, I would know there were at least two times where I would need to bring the class's attention together to either do a quick mini lesson uh, you know, to, to, to get them to the next level or to potentially, you know, I, I knew something difficult was coming up and I knew based on experience that they were, that the students were going to have a problem with this thing. So I was planning on always having this consolidating little mini moment with them, but through the act of being, you know, getting them busy, verifying their busyness. So the busyness kind of turns to engagement because I'm verifying learning. I could see some unplanned moments of support that the class could all benefit from. I call that consolidating learning as well, unplanned consolidating learning. So uh, when, when I model, I kind of, when I model instruction, I kind of overdo it and I have multiple consolidating moments because sometimes I'll model for 30 minutes just so we have time uh, to debrief and I can reflect on my you know, practice and I'll, I'll put like four or five consolidating moments in there. And, and I tell the teachers at the end, I'm like, and, and if there's instructional coaches, administrators watching, I was like, I kind of overdid the consolidating moments. You notice I kept bringing them together and then sending them back out, bringing them together, sending them back out. You know, if they need it that much, okay, fine. Um, it might be time for a mini lesson uh, that extends more than just a 90, 60, 90 second consolidating moment. But, I, you know, I'm, I'm just showing you that, you know, how important it is and that it is possible. Kids will respond to those. So I really found value in making the big thing in the moment a big thing in the moment. And a, a side note, a nuance that I found that, that I see that, that I found in myself and that I see in other teachers who are starting the consolidating moment process, the purposeful consolidating moment process is I used to say, all right, guys, hey, man, there's this really important thing I need to point out, you know, kind of, you know, guys, can you look up here? And, and I would kind of do the problem. And and I always got the sense that, gosh, I, I think the kids that are closest to me are kind of paying attention or, you know, kind of with me. But, you know, the kids in the back, yeah, I don't know. You know, it, it's not really working. I mean, when I consolidate learning, my style is if they're sitting, they stand up. If it's possible, they take a step or they gather around me so I can have a moment with them. And gosh, Brooks, I have a, clouded, a really crowded classroom. I have them stand up at least, take a half step toward me. Whatever the case is, I change their physical state. Again, I change their physical state so that it's just more of an attention grabber. And it does, like kids get used to that over time. 
heck, the kids, when I model an instruction in a classroom for 30, 45 minutes, by the last one, they're like, okay, all right, come on. He wants to talk to us. <laughs> it's, it's a pretty cool deal. Um, okay, so is, is a busy classroom, what, you know, what, what is wrong with a busy classroom? Well, nothing necessarily. The follow-up questions are, are they only busy? Are you relying on hope? Or are you verifying their learning? I guess that, when you get back down to the core of it, that's it. Okay. All right. So again, I'm excited to start writing on my first book. I am uh, kind of bummed to take down my blog pieces, but you know, I'm just really going to be kind of interchanging them, mixing them here, mixing them there. And uh, I want to then represent them in a, in a book format, but the blog, uh, I'm sorry, the uh, podcast will persist. I enjoy doing it. And so, you know, getting my thoughts out and it's, it's been a lot of fun. Okay, guys, uh, we'll wrap it up there. I hope you guys have a great week. And again, my, I'm going to try to get these out every Thursday. I've been doing a pretty good job. So, all right, take care, everybody. Bye-bye.